Kidd to Julius. Puts up a three. Yes! Bearcat Blitz time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Russ Elman, joined across the way, as always, by my co-host, Neil Meyer from the front office news and allbearcats.com. I am, of course, found at allbearcats.com as well. You can read my football and basketball coverage. Big, big night of basketball coverage after an 81-77 victory over number 19 TCU at Fifth Third Arena. The, the student section stormed the court. Everybody loving that first Big 12 home victory as Cincinnati goes through their inaugural season in the toughest conference in all of college basketball. It's pretty definitive at this point as I get ready to welcome on Neil Meyer. And to start off our show across the first two segments, we have former UC basketball player, was on the early 90s teams with coach Bob Huggins and current radio color commentator Terry Nelson joining the show this week to break down the big win against TCU and kind of gauge how the team is looking as we get into the thick of Big 12 play with some massive ranked games still on deck over the next five days or so with Oklahoma coming to town on Saturday and the big Monday matchup against Kansas in just 48 hours after that. Before we get to that, though, we are presented by Bet Online with NFL playoffs right around the corner. We're in the full swing of NFL playoffs right now, actually. And the NBA season going on as well. Bet Online has you covered with all of the up to second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Once again, that's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Neil, great, great, great night for the program. UC gets it done, 81-77. Before I get your quick thoughts on that, people can, of course, check us out on whatever podcast platform you are getting yours from, Apple, Spotify, Google, all good there. You can check us out on YouTube, Talking Cats with Russ Seltman, and, of course, on Bally Sports Ohio, which the show is airing on Bally Sports Ohio with our great guest, Terry Nelson, coming up. Big one, Neil. Just your quick thoughts before we welcome Terry on to the show. Yeah, it was a <clears throat> a battle of two halves, to say the least. It was a, a daunting start for the Bearcats. Obviously, TCU came out 9-10 from the field. and It was a game that you thought could have quickly scored 150 points on target last night. And, man, a defensive clinic all the way around. And it was it was a wild one to say the least. There were some sequences there. You're like, this just happened. This just happened. But it was a wild game all the way around. And that is a great win for West Miller and the Bearcats. They found a way to stay in the wind, persevere through the wildfire of the TCU Horn Frogs. There, I mean, resiliency is the word that came about through press conferences. Man, did they show it last night? Especially after a tough week to kick off the Big 12 conference play after the losses to Texas and Baylor. So to respond the way they did, that was a great, great sign for West Miller and the Bearcats. Yeah, Cincinnati has now won 12 consecutive overtime games against ranked opponents dating back to 1994. That little nugget from ESPN's Jeff Borzello and ESPN Stats and Information. Let's bring on Terry Nelson, a guy who uh, has, has 
I'm sure experienced overtime in his college career and has experienced plenty of those overtime wins across this stretch. Terry, thank you so much for taking some time this week and uh, joining us on Bearcat Blitz, my man. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. And I, overtime is is good, but we didn't allow we didn't let a lot of them get to overtime. No, no, you got to get it. I love taking care of business and regulation. And the Bearcats would have liked to do that last night, Terry, I'm sure, with uh, with some of the free throw woes continuing to hit them in that game. But just from your vantage point, the 81-77 victory, your just overall starting thoughts as we dive into the game and a huge, huge win for Wes Miller against Terry. In my opinion, I think it was the second best team that they played all season behind Baylor. I told this to Dan last night. When we played BYU, the Bearcats, they were the highest scoring team in the Big 12. We ended up playing Baylor. Baylor was, at that time, the highest scoring team in the Big 12. And then last night we played TCU. TCU, the highest scoring team in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Yep. The common denominator and all that, the Bearcats held each opponent way below their average because of the defensive effort. The defensive effort by the Bearcats have proven to be their calling card. They have been the cardiac cats. They allow you to get out and and not to Coach West's. This is not part of his game plan, but they when you get out to these leads early on and everybody starts chest thumping and letting everybody know this is the Big 12, welcome, you know, we're going to let you know what's going on. It's almost like you're playing your hand. I don't know if you guys ever play spades, but when you're sitting over there and you're talking and you got your cards facing the other person, you let them know what your hand is. You tip them a little bit, so it shows you how to play. And to see – what, what teams do early on and how they run their offense. And then coach calls a couple timeouts and he says, okay, this is exactly what we talked about. We're going to do it. This, we're going to make these adjustments. We're going to make these tweaks, these tweaks. We're going to stop turning the ball over. We're going to get back in transition. And all of a sudden you start seeing stop after stop after stop. And for a while, the Bearcats were getting what they call kills, three stops in a row. They had yeah. several of those, but they couldn't convert. So it was just an eight point lead for about four or five minute stretch. They couldn't convert, but they were getting stops. But then all of a sudden you start seeing, um, just like a python, what I call the python effect, they just continue to squeeze slowly and get all the life out of you. And then when it gets to, if they can make free throws, it would have been over in regulation. No doubt. It would have been would have been curtains well before the final minute for sure as they go 11 of 21 from the free throw line. They're, they're currently sitting, I think, 291st nationally in overall free throw percentage. It's, it's something that's just slowly gotten a little bit worse as the season's gone on, but they were able to overcome it on Tuesday night and able to overcome uh, missing almost all their threes. I mean, they only go six of 16 from three, 37.5% is solid, but usually when a team outscores, you see from the three-point line by five makes, it's going to be very difficult to win that basketball game, but they overcame Terry. And I thought the impact to me of the return of Aziz Bandago was massive in this game. He was a plus 12 overall, obviously offensively, there is work to be done there. Three turnovers for Aziz, his second most in his career, and his most as a Bearcat. But when he went in the game, man, the effect he has down low, especially against a team in TCU that loves to drive, that loves to get downhill, and wants to bring the kind of pain to opponents on the inside in the paint and then be able to use that to parlay them in the free throws and get a lot of trips to the charity stripe, I thought he was massive. And to me, the most important Bearcats player for much of the game in terms of big men and then John Newman and Day-Day Thomas took that crown on the perimeter. Yeah, people get – they don't want to come in there <laughs> when he's in there. If there was one thing I would change with Aziz Bendegos, I would be more like Kenyon Martin and use my elbows to, for, to to wart you off when you're trying to back me in. 
He puts his arms straight up in the air, which makes him skinny. And he's already a real thin guy anyway and allows the bigger guys to back him into the basket before he tries to block the shot. Whereas you can use your elbows in the back. When you're backing the guy in, you can use your elbows. You can't use them when the guy's facing you. But you can, you know, use it as a sort of a rail to sort of keep that guy coming. But whether he blocked the shot or changed the shot, how many times last night you saw guys get into the paint, pump fake, pump fake, pump fake, and then pass it back out? Because they were they realized, man, this guy's standing over me. His hands are straight up. I can't even see the rim. I'm going to pass and relocate. And that's the Van Dago effect. They have to get more from Jamil Reynolds. So Jamil is not going to give you deep post position. If he's not going to call for the ball, if he's not going to run the floor, he's not a very good rebounder, then the bench is going to get shortened. And Aziz and and uh, uh, Victor Lockett need more time. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you, Terry. But the biggest takeaway for me personally last night was, man, what John Newman did on both ends of the floor. I mm. thought he had a career night. 20 points, career high in a Cincinnati Bearcats uniform, seven rebounds. But what he did on the defensive end was fantastic. I mean, he's solidifying his position for a chance at a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. We saw what he did versus Jacoby Walter. We saw what he did out there at BYU. And now we see what he does to uh, Emmanuel Miller last night. And that's the John Newman effect. I mean, people talk about what his presence could have been like last season if he stayed healthy. But now they're starting to get to see the glimpses of the kind of player John Newman really is. And, I mean, it it was just great to see him bounce back after the missed free throws versus Texas. He goes down, he has two big free throws to tie the game up, to have the full circle moment for him. And there's nobody who has worked harder and embraced being a Bearcat than what John Newman has over the last few seasons after everything he's been through. So, overall, for him to see that kind of performance last night as well was fantastic. Russ, you alluded to Day-Day Thomas. I thought – I thought his performance was fantastic as well. I mean, he really struggled shooting the ball from deep this season, 13 for 58 heading into the match last night. And then, man, does he bury a big one when needed the most there right before overtime. But, man, was he incredible. And fans are starting to get a glimpse of what Day-Day Thomas is actually like as a true point guard now that he's starting to get his feet settled heading into Big 12 play. Yeah, I thought – I've been planting this seed in John Newman's head with last year when he was out. Yeah. And I kept, I said, man, we could use you as, and he, he, he had a chance to come back in January. I said, don't do that. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not going to waste a year. I yeah. said, no, I said, you got a great team coming in next year. Um, you're going to be going into the big 12. You get a chance to get the exposure that you need. I think John Newman is the premier defender in the best conference in America. Think about that the premier wing defender and the best conference in America. There's not a night off in this conference. Every game you're going to play one of the, uh, you're going to play a lottery pick. And he has been absolutely putting on defensive clinics against these guys because in the big 12, they let you grab, they let you hold, they let you hit, let you bump, they let you knock guys to the floor. And I'm sitting over there and I'm like, I stopped saying the refs not calling fouls. And I started to adapt. This is just big 12 basketball. If they're going to let both teams do this, and I keep saying, Victor Lockett, get back on defense. Quit complaining over a foul. No, they're allowing you to do all this. If they're going to allow you to do that, John Newman is going to be a tough cover because he can, he's physical. He uses those long arms. He, he'll crowd you. He'll poke the ball away. He'll dive on the floor for it. Like, he is just relentless when it comes to putting pressure on you. The ball gets passed away. He'll bump you. He'll grab you. He'll chest bump. He'll do anything to try to get under your skin. 
and the refs are just looking the other way, like, what? What are you going to do against it? And if the, John Newman was in the AAC, he probably would have fouled out three times this year. In the Big 12, they say, no, 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 no. Take it because everybody else is going to be able to have to take it too. And in the Premier Conference, John Newman is, I believe, we've seen four of the best in the Big 12 so far. And we got Kansas and obviously Oklahoma. So this little six-game stretch, he is putting guys on notice that not only can I lock you down, but on any given night, I can give you some buckets too. We'll uh, continue this conversation with Terry after the break in just a moment. But, Terry, there's a great point you brought up about the difference in in officiating in the AAC versus the Big 12. And I think it it probably is an adjustment that John had to go through over the first couple games or so. But I would think that this kind of allows him to be an even better defender with being able to use that physicality. He, he, he breeds that physicality. He loves using it. And I think it also helps him translate that physicality on the offensive end. I mean – Last night, it was a level of like burst and just physical force that he brought in the driving lane that I haven't seen consistently from him throughout his entire time at UC, but that was consistent all night on Tuesday on top of what he did defensively and also got a little bit of, of an aid to be able to bring that throughout the whole game because of the defensive efforts that Josh Reed put on in his stead when he was able to get some breathers on the bench. But I think that's a great point how the officiating change – has maybe unlocked John Newman's physicality a little bit more. And then also you're seeing that on the offensive end as well, where he puts up the most points in a Bearcats uniform with 20 on for Tuesday night. A lot of trash talking in that game. And TCU came out in warmups and they were just, they were really loose. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of bravado trying to intimidate a lot of the stuff that Houston used to do to teams where they play their music all loud in the pregame. Yeah. And even though you had music on up top, they had their own music. They just did everything like this is us against all you other guys. And TCU came out there. And when they start yapping to John Newman, John doesn't talk back. John just stares at you. Hmm. So every time he steals the ball or he dunks or he, he does whatever he scores, he just, he just looks right you right in the face. Like now what you're going to say, and you keep talking and you feed that. And if the refs are not going to call the physicality, then you're at a disadvantage because there's no other guy like Newman in the Big 12, 6'7", seven, seven-foot wingspan, uh, muscular up top, able to bust through screens and not just go third man. He's a guy that loves to compete and loves to take on the individual challenge. You see color commentator Terry Nelson, very kind enough to join us on this week's Bearcat Blitz Late Show, the late week show on Bearcat Blitz on Valley Sports Ohio and the Believe Network. We'll be back with more from Terry Nelson after this break. We'll dive into the upcoming schedule, looking at Oklahoma and Kansas a little bit. And what are the biggest weaknesses this team needs to clean up as they are cementing themselves as one of the top 20 teams defensively in the country, offensively lagging a little bit behind? We'll touch on that after this break on Bearcat Blitz. Bearcat Blitz continuing here. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined by my co-host, Neil Meyer. You can catch us at allbearcats.com and also catch Neil Meyer's work as well at thefrontofficenews.com. We are excited and, and very honored to be joined by UC color commentator Terry Nelson on the basketball side of things. He was right there courtside with Dan Horde and Mo Egger on the call for the 81-77 win 
over TCU in overtime. The Bearcats, once again, get the job done against the rake team in overtime, the 12th consecutive time they have done that since 1994. So, Terry, when we look at this team right now and the upcoming matchups against Oklahoma and Kansas, two top 25 teams in the net rankings, two top 15 teams in the AP poll, you split one of these and you start three and three in conference play. In my opinion, the bar was two and four, and they've already met that bar. They've already got the two wins in the first six games of this brutal, brutal gauntlet that I think you really needed to have to be able to set yourself up for continued pursuit of an NCAA tournament berth. But you go three and three or heck, even four and two, and you only had those two back-to-back losses in this opening six-game stretch, I think we could start to maybe reassess what fans' expectations were for this team coming into the season as, in my opinion, back in November, it was 11, 10, 9, 8 seed, something like that in that range. Just get into an at-large bid, get into the dance for the first time. But if they go in and and hold serve at home against Oklahoma and then pull off an upset against Kansas. Now, this is obviously big, big ifs. I think we have to reassess what this team is capable of doing, especially with how well this defense is playing with Aziz Bandego, knock on wood, coming back and hopefully no more issues and tweaks with that back injury. Defensively, I think this team has a ceiling to where you can maybe start seeing them in the six, seven, five, even four seed range if they truly hit their ceiling. Yeah, uh, get the suitcases already packed because the defense travels. And what <laughs> what makes this team good is they already know that they can catch up to you. Yeah, like There's no lead that's safe because they're going to continue to do what they do, what they do, what they do. And some of those points that they knock off in when the deficits that they have come in transition, they come in flurries, um, you know, they get low post presence down low. They just pound you away. So they got a chance to catch up to you. So we know that. They've seen some of the best, two of the best shooting teams in the country shut them down, you know, in Baylor and BYU. So if they already know they can do that. And then one of the best in the best in transition, defensive transition, offense to defense transition or defense to offense transition in in the TCU, they found a way to win that game. So now you got another, you got Oklahoma, you got Kansas. I'm starting, I haven't even started my study yet, guys. Today is the day I have to do two studies in a row because there's only a one day break in between. So you got Oklahoma and Kansas and both of those serve two different problems. You know, Kansas, their inside game is crazy, but that's one of our strengths. So to be able to go out and see both of these guys with two wins in the conference already, with it, literally we could be 4-0. Bearcats could be 4-0 in the conference if it wasn't for a lucky shot at the end that they don't call it travel against Texas. And then, you know, you got the game where in Baylor where they could have easily closed that out. They could be four and zero. Yeah, really yeah. could, and that's that's a huge test because uh, Oklahoma's on a two game losing streak right now. They have West Virginia tonight, but they're a high powered offense. And then you look at Kansas on Monday night, and not an easy environment at Allen Fieldhouse, but they know the challenge at hand at what the Jayhawks preserve there in the front court with Hunter Dickinson. But they have shown one thing, and that is their resiliency in the defensive effort, led by John Newman. Aziz Bandego, Jamil Reynolds, Victor Locken, they all present a lot of different problems. And we have seen that on a night-in and night-out basis that you hold Baylor 20 points below their scoring average. You hold BYU 30 points nearly under their average. You hold uh, TCU under their average as well last night just by a couple points. But overall, the defensive clinic that the Bearcats have shown 
throughout the first four games or so of Big 12 play, they have shown that they are one of the best defensive teams in the country for many reasons. No doubt. And and they're up to, I think, 18th now in Ken Palm mm-hmm. on de- adjusted defensive efficiency, sitting at 65th in adjusted offensive efficiency. And and Terry, to me, that, that screams to the just brutal missed bunny layups that are kind of plaguing them lately. The the free throw percentage, obviously 11 to 21. That's not, that's not the standard to anybody wants to see in that program. What do you think is the biggest issue, biggest thing for them to clean up for them to reach that potential ceiling of a, maybe a four or five seed down the road. Once we get to selection Sunday. Well, I don't think it's the biggest. I think it's a culmination of things. One, you just mentioned them. They have to be able to capitalize on the times that they get sent to the free throw line. Yep. Because it either starts runs or it stops runs. You get you get kills, you get stops out there, and you get fouled because they're very physical and they're going to the free throw line. You go to the free throw line, and then you don't capitalize on it. You miss the front end of a one-and-one. One. Uh, it only shows up as one miss in the stat sheet, but that's two free throws. Then you miss back-to-back free throws. Then it starts getting into your head, so you lose ground, and games are closer than what they should be. If you're shooting 75 to 80% from the free throw line, they're winning these games by five, six, seven, eight points going forward. But Seamus Lakosius has got to do better at boxing out and rebounding. I mean, it's just – it's to the point now where Coach did offense defense at the five-minute mark to get him out of the game defensively because he was giving up so many offensive rebounds. And it was just like – it was incredible. They had 18 offensive rebounds. No team yeah. this year has had that. 18 offensive rebounds. And the time where they had in that flurry where they got four offensive rebounds in a row, the first two were Seamus Lakosha's not boxing out. Jamil Reynolds, when he's in the game, he gives you nothing. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't run and seal. He doesn't call for the ball with his mouth, arms, and, and, and his hands and his positioning. So he's got to come off the bench and give you seven, eight rebounds. He's never been a big rebounder. And some of the flaws that have kept him bouncing from school to school are starting to show up. He's an immense talent. He can dunk. He can jump. He's 42-inch vertical. He can do all that stuff. He's got some offensive skill. But if he doesn't do the work, they had guys on them, and guards got to do a better job of passing to the post, faking the pass, make a pass. But they had, like, TCU switches. And so the Bearcats would do a 1-5 pick and roll, and Vic would be posting up or Jamil would be posting up, and a guard would be fronting him, and they couldn't get him the ball. And I'm thinking, first of all, Big's got to be able to push the guy up the lane give a target hand very rare do you see jamil reynolds give a target hand he has both hands behind him trying to hold the guy back from getting the ball so where does the guard know to throw the ball because you're not telling him where you want the ball Mm -hmm. and then secondly victor lockin is a mismatch i don't care who's guarding him if you can't get victor locking the ball you if you want if vic has his hand up you fake down to move the defensive hands and you throw up if his hands are low you fake up to move the hands and you throw low they fake and then throw the same way they fake. And so it's he has to release, catch the ball three, four feet away from where he had the guy posted. Now he's got to do one to two dribbles just to get back to where he was, which throws off the timing. They double team late. By the time they kick it back out, it's less than five seconds, and then you're jacking up shots. So if they have to do a better job of getting the ball to guys that know how to, to, to score and pass down low, if they can't do that, they can't box out, they can't make free throws, they're going to be in a lot of games that they're going to lose at the end because it's the little things that matter. Great, great stuff from UC Color Commentator Terry Nelson joining us on Bearcat Blitz this week. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks for Terry. Having me.
Great stuff from Terry Nelson. Quick break, and we are wrapping up the show after this. Well, Neil, not much time to dive into any more topics on this late week show. We got to get this thing wrapped up on Bally Sports Ohio. For Neil Meyer, I'm Russ Heltman. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network. Big games against Oklahoma and Kansas coming up. We will recap the Sooner matchup on Monday. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network. Seconds left, shot clock off, four point game. DeJulius puts up a three. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.